Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We here at Wrestling Unwrapped, Patrick and myself, are both huge hockey fans. Last week, we dedicated the show to the memory of the greatest, Muhammad Ali. Tonight, we dedicate this show to the memory of Mr. Hockey. As a lifelong Detroit Red Wings fan myself, there is no bigger name in Red Wings history than Gordie Howe. To this day, you still hear the term Gordie Howe hat trick, a goal, an assist, and a fight. Mr. Hockey, this one's for you. All right. And and real quick, even as a Blackhawks fan, which I obviously have professed many a time, there are certain times that you have to stop even with the greatest of rivalries and respect the legends. So rest in peace, Mr. Cody Howe. And indeed, as Harry said, this one's for you. All right, well... Just like uh, they told you last week, Harry and Patrick resumed talking about Saturday Night's Main Event, covering disc three of the best of Saturday Night's Main Event, the extras oh, okay. and everything else. What? We don't cover disc three quite yet because there's another elephant in the room that has to be addressed. And, in, oh. and it's an elephant we've covered on this show before, if you will. Okay. Ahead. Yesterday, yesterday marked the one-year anniversary of the past passing. Excuse me, of Dusty Rhodes. To this day, the dream lives on. It's easy to say this hasn't exactly been the world's greatest week. No. All right. But we uh, we. Press on here and welcome you guys into Wrestling Unwrapped, episode 16.1. I believe we're going with 16B. Oh, we're going with 16-2? Okay, that works. What? And y'all will hear Harry and Patrick right after this.
people with intentionally awful music. So that way, Sean, I, I got it. The Wrestle Rock Rumble is on the network. Oh no! Oh boy! <laughs> it's also a six-match show, so that's not happening. Ugh. We are back on, right? Yes. Okay. They heard like half of y'all's conversation about the. I don't want to cover that one, Harry, just at all. We had to cover the pile driver music video. I, I, you get no griefs when it comes to the Wrestle Rock Rumble. <laughs> Whatever works for you at guys. Least, at least Abisco was on cue. Oh no, some of them were actually relatively talented, as opposed to the pile driver video. Well, that thing was just complete hot garbage start to finish. Pretty much. But if, if you want us to go further in depth, make sure you listen to last week's episode for that, because it was on disc one, I believe. So, yes, as, 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 as you mentioned, uh, we are finishing very off tail end. Go ahead. But, sorry, I'm just, just saying, the very tail end of disc one has the pile driver music video. If you are a wrestling fan and you not have not yet seen this, gigantic ball of cheese. Frankly, you kind of owe it to yourself to do so. No, you know. It is everything 80s wrestling in a nutshell. Tell me I'm wrong. Go ahead. Tell me I'm wrong. No, no. You're, you're 100% right. Okay, then. Anyway, shall we move on? Yes, let's do formal introductions since we haven't told them who we are yet. Well, that's your fault. Anyway, <laughs> I'm I'm Patrick Hector. He's Harry Broadhurst, and of course Sean Starmer, our producer. As we are covering disc three and the bonus features of Saturday Night's Main Event, or the best of Saturday Night's Main Event, I should say. <laughs> you don't even know the name of the DVD we're working on. Yeah. All right, a couple things real quick here. Right. Uh since you've neglected to mention it thus far, I will. As of yesterday, I do believe, the W2M Network is now officially on SoundCloud. I believe our producer has the exact details as to where you can find us on SoundCloud, though. Yep, just go to SoundCloud slash W2M Network. Pretty easy. Or just search in SoundCloud. And you guys are were the uh, first podcast that I posted Yesterday, I posted the uh, first episode, or not the first, the, the previous episode because it ties in with uh, this one. So, so we're number one. one. We're number one. We're number one. That also <laughs> makes us the first podcast on this particular network to have two episodes up on the SoundCloud store. Yes, you will. In addition, we're number two. We're number two. <laughs> <laughs> One of us more so than the other, Patrick. Anyways. <laughs> In addition, as mentioned, we are a product of the W2M network. And what's, what's the official word you want me to use here? In cooperation? Sure. Okay, let's go with that. In cooperation with LastWordOnSports.com as well as 411Mania.com. As he mentioned, I'm Harry Broadhurst. You can hear Sean's 411 Mania colleague with me tomorrow night as well, Tony Acero's We Do the Raw Reaction. 
For now, though, let's talk Saturday night's main event. Uh, uh, but before there, we do, there, I, I was going to say, isn't there one more thing we got to get out of the way first? Yeah, and since I did the plugging of the websites, you get to plug the you get to plug the sponsor. And I will, as always, the show sponsored by the Madhouse Toy Chest on eBay. If you are pretty much a collector of almost anything wrestling-related, this would be the site for you, store.ebay.com slash Madhouse Toy Chest. If you collect DVDs like Harry and I do, X-Figures, shirts, magazines, almost anything that you can think of, uh, chances are Jason Kunkel and the Madhouse Toy Chest, you have it. So be sure to look them, look him up. It is store.com slash Madhouse Toy Chest. And if you happen to mention that you are looking for him through us from Wrestling Unwrapped, they'll add a special gift to your order. Once again, that's store.com slash Madhouse Toy Chest. Interestingly enough, you know what people can find on the Madhouse Toy Chest this week? The best of Saturday night's main event. I did happen to see that post. Uh, if you want to, we will be posting it to our our Facebook page where you can find us, uh, Facebook backslash Wrestling Unwrapped, or Facebook.com backslash Wrestling Unwrapped, of course. And you will be able to click directly from the link on the page right to the, the Madhouse Toy Chest store and purchase your own copy of this show if you enjoy our review or if, much like myself watching this show, the nostalgia that got brought up is just too much for you not to want to own it. By all means, check out the Madhouse Toy Chest and order yourself a copy of the Best of Saturday Night's Main Event. All right, I do believe all official plugs and appearances are out of the way, and it is now officially time. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the best of Saturday night's main event, disc three, and then we'll go to our big finish. And the bonus features. Of course. As we always do, I'll assume Harry's ready, because lately he's been much better with this. I am ready, actually. As soon as I started to say the this is best of Saturday night's main event, I had it turned to the page. Go me. Go me. Okay, I'm good. All right, and this disc has, I believe, 12 matches on it. So there's a lot to get through real quick. So as we always do, kick things off, Harry, what are the results for disc three? All right. Disc three of the Best of Saturday Night's Main Event WWE compilation set here. Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior, the Ultimate Maniacs, defeat the team of Mr. Perfect, Kurt Hennig, and the genius, uh, the artist formerly known as Lanny Poffo, at 7.52, when Hogan pins Poffa. Hulk Hogan successfully defends the WWF Championship, I do believe, in our second contest, defeating Kurt Hennig via leg drop at 7.59. Mr. Perfect. Brother. The Hart Foundation and the Rockers go to a double disqualification thanks to interference courtesy of the tag team champions demolition at nine minutes and eight seconds. This match was skipped when I watched this set. It's on a previous disc. If you own the Heartbreak and Triumph DVD, you already own this match. Mr. Perfect retains the Intercontinental title 
pinning Tito Santana. Was he on that door here, or was he just Tito? I think it was just Tito. Tito or what? Was he El Matador here, or was he just Tito? No, he was just Tito still. El okay. Matador didn't start, I think, until 90, 91. Okay, and then this would have been, I think, late 90. Yeah, this, this would have been, like, mid-90. Mid-90. Okay. Mr. Perfect wins a battle royal, last eliminating... Greg Valentine, I think it was? Yes. Yeah. I have I have one previous disc here because I actually own the episode of Saturday Night's Main Event that this match happened on on DVD. Speaking of that, no, you're, you're, episode, you're right. Sorry. Speaking of that particular episode of Saturday Night's Main Event, Bret Hart and the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase Sr. go to a double countout at 9.53. I've got two other big things to sorry, I've got two other big things to talk about with this match. Uh the Battle Royal or Brett and Ted? Brett and Ted. Two very big things. Interesting. Okay. Would those two big things be Sherry? Bingo. <laughs> yeah, I kinda of figured that's where that was going. Rest in peace, Sherry. <laughs> we are terrible people. Moving on. Yes, we are. Hulk Hogan and Psycho Sid I think he was just Sid Justice at this time I just write him as Psycho Sid because that's when I keep his records as defeat the team of Ric Flair and making his Saturday night's main event debut The Undertaker in a tag match Um, can I cut you off real quick sure They they were both making their debut as a matter of fact, in both cases, this would be their only appearance for both of them. Not true. It was definitely the first one for both of them then. Undertaker would appear on one of the later episodes of Saturday Night's Main Event in a 3-on-2 handicap match. I do Ooh. believe. Okay. But this definitely was both of their debuts. That is correct. This was also the first Saturday Night's Main Event not on NBC. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. Speaking of things that we'll talk about a little bit later on in the show, the only title change, singles title, to change hands on an episode of Saturday Night's Main Event, Shawn Michaels pins the British Bulldog at 10 minutes and 26 seconds with a cross-body block out of a a superplex attempt to win the Intercontinental title. We then fast forward about 15 years. I think it's 14 officially. 13 and a half. It's like early 2006. Yeah, close enough. Because this one would be 15 days before WrestleMania 22. Yes. Where Shane McMahon, and you can't see me doing it, but I'm air quoting here, Taps out Shawn Michaels with the sharpshooter at 13 minutes and 50 seconds to win a street fight. Mind you, folks, Vince Russo has not been with the company for seven years at this point. Some things this company just can't let go of. We just had a Montreal finish in 2016. 
Yep. Here's looking at you, Natty. Anywho. D-Generation X completely, totally, and utterly buries the Spirit Squad. Because I do believe after the match, they actually physically send them back to OVW on a backstage segment on this particular episode. I don't know that it was this or if it was on, like, a very soon after episode of Raw. No, it couldn't have been this. Because they were the tag They would have still been around at SummerSlam. Not to mention, I think they were still the tag team champions at that point, too. I think, um, I think, uh, Nikki, aka Dolph Ziggler, and Kenny, uh, Ken, Kenny Dykstra came out wearing the tag team titles, if I recall correctly. Yeah, they were the tag team champs at this point. No, I am the tag team. Sorry, different show. No. DX. DX shuts out the Spirit Squad in an elimination match. This is a 5-1-2 elimination match. DX shuts them out at 6 minutes and 25 seconds. And yes, you heard that right, folks. DX shuts them out. In 6 minutes and 25 I have plenty to say about this coming up soon. Don't you worry. And finally... And in the main event... Well, I mean, technically, it, it it did go on last on this particular episode of SNME, I do believe, too. John Cena defeats Edge by disqualification. Edge retains the Raw title at five minutes and two seconds, thanks to what can only be described as Aichiwala Lita's outfit. I've got two more very big nonsense. <laughs> We truly are terrible people. It's okay. Yeah, right. we are. And then there are two bonus matches that we will be covering a little bit later. On the first disc, going all the way back to... Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This one, so i got to turn back here. The very first match in Saturday night's main event history... The U.S. Express of Barry Windham and Mike Rotunda and Ricky Steamboat defeat George the Animal Steel, the Iron Sheik, and Nikolai Volkov when Barry Windham pins George the Animal Steel with an O'Connor roll at 622. Disc 2, Dusty Rhodes, kind of appropriate, we're covering that match today. Yeah. Pins the big boss man with a roll-up in the match that was best known as the introduction of Sapphire to the WWF. Dusty pins the boss man at 446. There are your results. It is now time to officially start discussing 
disc three in the bonus features. Mr. Keta? Indeed. Thank you, Harry. So, yeah, 14 matches to get through, so we better, because uh, we're on a little bit of a time crunch. I'm sure Sean will talk about that later on as to why we're on a time crunch. So why don't we get right into it and start off with disc three, and I'm doing that strategically, Harry. I know. We'll let Dusty main of it cover his match last. Damn right. So in a tribute to, in tribute to the dream, if you will. Um, the one thing that becomes abundantly clear, disc three is the Mr. Perfect show. <laughs> because if you guys happen to be listening during Harry doing the results, Mr. Perfect is featured eight in four of the five first or four of the first five matches, and B, it's probably close to the first full hour of this ma- of this entire disc. And it's Hogan versus the Genius and Hogan versus Mr. Perfect. So the first match that we end up getting is, well, actually, we should mention the first thing featured was the Genius versus Hulk Hogan, where Mr. Perfect ends up stealing the WWE's championship and destroying it. And completely destroying it. And no, this is not the belt that would become the hardcore championship. That is just a rumor. Question. Yes. Perfect heinous attack on the title here. Is this what led to the Winged Eagle? No, it was already the Winged Eagle. It became the Winged oh. Eagle in 88. Because Hogan had it for his match against Andre. Oh, I'll learn something new every day. Yes, you. Yeah, because they kind of introduced it as the new belt at WrestleMania 4, but I distinctly remember Hogan had, I'm, I'm almost 90% certain Hogan had the belt when he faced Andre on the main event. Okay, so, fair enough. Yeah, so we get to our first match now. Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior versus Mr. Perfect and the Genius. Mind you, this is January of 1990, so this was almost nothing more than a filler feud to get us to WrestleMania 6. That becomes plainly apparent because Hogan and Warrior essentially just completely steamroll Mr. Perfect, and I love the fact that Hogan kicks out of the Perfect Plex, and I believe Vince McMahon himself sometimes idiot that he is, says, Hogan says, I have never seen anybody kick out of the perfect flex. Small issue with that. Not only has somebody kicked out of the perfect flex before, but that somebody is in the match. Warrior, right? Yes. Warrior kicked out of it at Survivor Series 89? I don't know that I've watched that show, but I do remember... I, I do remember hearing about Warrior kicking out of the perfect plus. Like I, I used to read, uh, and this is another plug for one of Sean's colleagues here, I used to read J.D. Dunn's reviews all the time. And J.D. mentioned in the Survivor Series 89 review that during the course of that tag match, there, was, that the te- was that the Survivor Series that led to the ultimate final? Um, the timing would be right, so I think yes. Okay, then I do have this particular Survivor Series, which explains why I'm, I vividly remember seeing him kick out. Okay, duly yeah. noted. Yes. 
So Hogan and Warrior end up getting the win, but dissension ends up happening because obviously perfect and genius jump warrior after he starts cleaning house. Hogan tries to kind of uh get his attention to get him out of there and Warrior decks Hogan because of course what would this lead to? One of the biggest matches of all time in the Ultimate Challenge. And this coming, I believe, two weeks after because this Let's see, January 27th, 90. So this one come roughly two weeks after Hulk Hogan won the damn Royal Rumble. Yes. And they had the face-to-face confrontation during the Rumble itself here. And I think the most important thing here to think of as far as this goes, and yeah, it's it's all, it's pretty cool to see Hennig against guys like Hogan and Warrior. And honestly, Kurt Hennig is one of those cases of what could have been because the dude was bumping his ass off. He was nailing his promos and everything. He had his character down packed. He just never became the superstar that he probably should have there because of probably higher powers up at the top of the card. I mean, you could say at this point, roughly, you could make a claim that Mr. Perfect was number three in the company. Just overall. Hogan one, Warrior two, Perfect at three. Oh, and uh, this real quick. Anybody remember what Mr. Perfect ends up doing at WrestleMania 6? Five was Blue Blazer. Is he a referee? Nope. Loses cleanly to Hogan's buddy. Brunei? Yep. Because here's the thing. In this match, the genius takes a pinfall, so technically Mr. Perfect doesn't lose. Mr. Perfect goes on to not lose. Sorry, real quick. Mr. Perfect goes on to not lose until WrestleMania 6 when he loses clean to Brutus Beefcake. I'm sorry, Sean. I know we're a family-friendly network, but I've had the opp- I've had the misfortune, I guess you could say, of meeting Brutus Beefcake. That dude is a straight-up asshole. Sorry. Anywho. Yes. So, after that, we get... Vincent Jesse on horseback, which is really goofy, but I I don't know why it was featured, but okay. Well, it's because they were in Texas for it, and it was to let everybody know that they were in Texas. And then the next match is in Texas. And I actually think they show them on horseback still doing commentary during this particular match. Although if I were to venture a guess, I would say the commentary was added in post. No, they... Okay, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. No, they're not on horseback, but the horses are still there. I, I so know the exact horse. shot you're talking about. The horses are behind them, but they're at the commentary station. Okay, so then maybe they are doing the commentary live during the course of this match. Probably. And it's Hulk Hogan versus Mr. Perfect. Like I said, this is a Mr. Perfect show for about the first hour. Uh, technically, I can give you the exact amount of time that it's the Mr. Perfect show for. The Battle Royal ends at 1 hour, 14 minutes, and 45 seconds. He is not involved in a 9-minute tag team match that has a little bit of introductions as well. So, yeah, just a shade over the first full hour of the DVD is nothing but perfect. Yeah, I'm sorry. Not literally, but, well, I guess literally, too. Yeah, kind of. Um... 
Compared to the first one, this one's kind of forgettable. And like you said, I think the title was on the line, and that was about the only memorable thing, aside from the fact that I think possibly Hulk Hogan takes out his perfect plex again. Brother? Um, <clears throat> if you want to see a good Hogan-Hennig match, there is a much better one on the Life and Times of Mr. Perfect DVD. If I'm not Florida in 2000, is it? God, no. Not the XWL one. No, it's it's from an MSC house show back around the time that they were having this particular feud. Oh, okay. Do you not own Life and Times? I do, but I've never watched it. The match I'm thinking of was on the Hogan Allstate Anthology. Really? An XWF match made a WWF DVD? Yep. Well, well I guess Jimmy Hart stuff anyway. Yeah, I, I guess we know who Jimmy Hart sold the footage to once the XWF went belly up. Yep, the same exact place that Jim Cornette sold his Smoky Mountain footage to. And how have we never gotten a Smoky Mountain DVD? We're digressing. Let's get back to the show. Yes, let's. Moving on, because honestly, yeah, Hogan wins, obviously. Um, and a promo for arrogance, because reasons. Oh, no, no, don't don't say reasons here. Rick Martell was a badass at this time. That dude was given a garbage gimmick and made it work. And not only that, would make it work for the next, what, two and a half years? Because I still remember he faced Shawn Michaels at SummerSlam 92 and he was still doing it. Yes, the not in the face match. I remember that. It's all the shenanigans there. Moving on, though. Um, The first non-Mr. Perfect or Hulk Hogan match on this set, the Rockers versus the Hart Foundation, two out of three falls? No, no, I'm sorry. It's not two out of three falls. What am I? I'm, th- I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of the, the one that doesn't exist. No, and that's the one that's on my journey. I do believe. Uh, I think you're right. So where the, the Rockers, Rockers versus, God, where the Rockers won the tag titles? No, they don't. Where the Rockers win the tag titles? No, they don't. In case you don't get the joke. It was actually a match that was taped for Saturday night's main event between the Rockers and the Hart Foundation, where the Rockers won a best two out of three falls match for the WWF tag team titles. However, during the course of this match, the top rope broke. So Vince decided that the match would not air, and the titles never changed hands. So, no, they don't. Okay, fair enough. Okay. So this one though is a single is a single fall match. It, once again, I mean the Rockers and the Hart Foundation. I don't know that they really ever had a bad match, even with a broken rope. But the endings of this is weird, just because Demolition gets involved. Well, Demolition were the tag team champions at this point, and I do believe they would end up dropping those tag team titles too, said Hart Foundation. So it. It kind of makes sense, because I think at WrestleMania 6, if this is the era that I think it is here, I do believe at WrestleMania 6, the Hart Foundation yep. would beat Demolition for the tag titles. 
Uh, no. WrestleMania no. six. Uh, the Hart Foundation steamroll the Bolsheviks, and Demolition beats the Colossal Connection to win the tag team titles for the third time. Oh, so this would have been just after WrestleMania where this match happened. Correct. So you're right. Demolition were the tag champs, but this was after WrestleMania. I think Demolition would hold it until SummerSlam? Maybe it was the setup for a program at SummerSlam. You might be right there. I'd have to look it up. Yeah, I'm not 100% certain about that. Um, but yeah, so Demolition gets involved and causes the entire thing to just collapse into a schmoz. And we end up getting no winner. And yeah, it, it kind of sucks because this is actually a good match. But like I said, that you probably could come to expect that from almost any Rockers versus Heart Foundation match. Even though one of the four wrestlers almost doesn't mesh or you would think doesn't mesh well with everybody else in the match, but he ends up meshing quite well. Uh, my heart? Bingo. Well, you know what it was? And he doesn't get the credit that he deserves for this. Nightheart always worked well with smaller guys. It was when he was in the ring against guys his own size that he became kind of clunky. I think similar to the... Uh, I think similar to the Davey Boy Smith dynamic, he worked well against smaller opponents, whereas Davey was much better at working with guys bigger than him because he wasn't necessarily a huge guy himself. Contrary to what he looks like. I mean, Davey was what, 6'1", 6'2", maybe 260 pounds? Nightheart's probably about the same size as Davey, but I would argue he's probably about 30, 40 pounds heavier. I'd say 280. Uh, Roughly. But honestly, between the two of them, I would probably give the strength advantage to Nightheart still. Uh, when it comes to who, Nightheart and Davey, I'd say it's awfully close. I don't know, because Davey, Davey would seem to have a lot of show muscle, whereas it's, especially Brett wrote in his book, quite a few of the things that Jim was able to do, and I do question if Davey could pull them off. So basically what you're saying is Jim had FRS. Yes. Okay. And if you are a long-time listener of the show, you know that we cover PWG. If you watch PWG, you know what FRS is. If you don't, I'm not saying it because I'm not trying to get in trouble. <laughs> that exactly. is the best way I could describe it. Yeah. Anywho... Um, the, 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 the next match, next match, it, it, it's interesting because you wouldn't, you kind of wouldn't expect it to be so good. And it's for the Intercontinental Championship. It is the Intercontinental Champion, Mr. Perfect, versus Ariba, Tito Santana. And... This was a lot better than it had any right to me. <laughs> because I've, I've never been, I've never been a huge Tito fan. At this point, it's 1990 Tito Santana. So you would think that it wouldn't, you know, go that well. But in this case, this was actually a pretty damn good match. You know what it is? 
you are greatly well, underestimating you are greatly underestimating the greatness that was Kurt Hennig. Do you remember the I, conversation we? Do you remember the conversation we had via text about MVPs? Oh yeah. If we were to do an MVP for this set, we don't do an MVP on this show. WU2M and the reaction both do. We don't do an MVP on here when we go into our big finish. We simply do our final show ratings. But if- lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If we were to do an MVP for this set, I would say Kurt Hennig comes in second for me for this entire set. And I had it down person, to two, I think. And the only person that I would put slightly ahead of him is the Macho Man Randy Savage. And yeah, and I think we, we both pretty much had it down to those two guys for this set, being Mr. Perfect and Macho Man. Um, Real quick, I just want to finish with this match because this this match gets mighty weird at the end, um, and it just turns into a complete cluster. Where but I'm trying to remember how it actually happens. Somebody takes out Earl Hebner at like the knee slash ankle, and Hebner sells like death for about the next five or six straight minutes. Because this match goes a long time. Especially for Saturday night's main event, this match goes a while. Ten minutes and sixteen seconds. The second longest match on this. Oh no, excuse me. The third longest match of the original matches on this set. Yeah. And only so, the battle royal. And only the battle royal and the Ric Flair tag match are longer. So that should tell you all you need to know. Yeah. So there you go. And the battle royal. Full and behold, is also won by Mr. Perfect. We'll get to that in a second. Um, This match, though, Earl Hebner ends up injured, and it seems like Jesse and Vince are more on Hebner's side than anybody else. Like Jesse saying, oh my God, what a valiant effort by the referee. I remember and, what you're talking about. Vince is questioning the cadence with which Hebner is counting for both men because, you know, he got mushed. And, but Vince is on him about it. But Jesse's like, he just got mushed. Look how valiant it is that he's trying to make these, co- these counts. And then it is when Hennig goes for a fall, I believe, that Jesse finally turns on Earl Hebner's refereeing skills. Yes, possibly. Um, and there was... There was one 
one specific near fall in this match that was, I had to actually go back and watch in slow motion just to see if if Hebner had actually gotten the three. But his hand was legitimately about a quarter inch off the ground for the third count when Hennig gets his shoulder up, which should tell you almost like how masterful Hennig was at the near falls, you know, even at this point. You know, he was doing things that kind of weren't really being done at this point. You know, with these severely, severely close two and seven-eighths counts because I legitimately thought Hennig had gotten his shoulder up late and they just called it a two. But it turns out he didn't and he just absolutely nailed it. This was after Hebner had gotten injured. And, yeah, sure, in the end, Hennig ends up picking up the win, but this was a hell of a match between Hennig and Tito. And like I said, I'm not underestimating the greatness of, of Mr. Perfect. I've always been a huge Mr. Perfect fan. I'm kind of underestimating Tito Santana, though, because, like I said, I've never really been a fan of him. You know, from going back, whining about JYD losing at uh, WrestleMania 1, Women Comfort that. Okay, but in fairness, considering we had to work with it the first WrestleMania. True. In the first match. I mean, it was the executioner, a.k.a. Buddy Rose, and Buddy Rose was never exactly known as a great worker unless he was with Doug Somers in the AWA. Yeah. So pretty much anything WWF Buddy Rose is more or less a blow away. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> you're, you're one match early for that laugh. First, we have to get through the 20-man battle royal match. Oh no! You'll you'll get my you'll get my DiBiase match laugh when we get to the DiBiase match. I mean, after all, everybody's got a price. Anywho, first, <laughs> a twenty-man battle royal, and I couldn't tell if this was on Saturday night's main event or the main event. I think it was Saturday night's main event, though. It was officially. Uh, an, it was officially an episode of Saturday night's main event. The reason I say that is because, as I said when I was giving the results, I own this episode of Saturday night's main event on DVD. Okay. Well, I'm just going to say it is a converted VHS tape copy. Oh, okay. It's, it's only because I know for a fact that I saw the main event banners as well. And I believe this would be around the time of the final the main event because I think that one that would air on Friday nights on NBC, they did five of them. Usually going in for WrestleMania. Brother. Yeah. Anywho. Um, but this one... Well, isn't he in this the Battle Royal? Yeah, I believe he is. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's the, he was the last one to come out. The, the, the 20th man to come out, although it, it you know, was Royal Rumble Rules, he just happened to be the last guy to come out during everyone's intro, was the World Wrestling Federation champion Hulk Hogan. I had to make sure because of the date. I had to make sure this was 
was after WrestleMania 7. So, yes, he is the champion at this point. Um, and I think, trying to remember how he gets eliminated, because he gets down to, like, the final six or so. If, I'm, then, not mistake, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, it's from behind by Kurt Hennig. Possibly, but I think he had gotten into a fight with his friend Tugboat. Yeah, that would set up the formation of the natural disasters. Yes, it would. When he would ah. switch names to Typhoon. Correct. I remember I used to have the little Hasbro natural disaster action figures. Very nice. Uh-huh. What can I say? I am a collector of most things wrestling. Obviously. Uh, so, in the end, though, because, honestly, let's be honest, the first half of this match beat Jack Hall. And then Hogan yeah, gets all submitted, and then... Go ahead. I was just going to say, it's a battle royal. If you've never seen a battle royal before, do yourself a favor and don't. Because for the vast majority of them, the action going on in the ring means crap all. A lot yeah, of I struggle to throw you out, you struggle to throw me out, nobody really goes anywhere. Yeah. So usually if you're doing the Battle Royal where everybody's in the ring for about the first half of the match, if it's a 20 man, when it's from 20 to about 10 guys left, you very rarely ever see anybody in the middle of the ring. Everybody's over by the ropes. Exactly. And I but, think that's kind of I think that's kind of a wrestling tradition that you don't bump in a battle royal anyway. Until the very end. Right, until you get down to a limited amount of people and then you have the room to do the moves that traditional wrestling fans are going to want to see from participants such as your Hogan's, your Kennedy's, your Greg the Hammer Valentine's. Because if I do believe at this time, it was right when the Hammer was going for a figure four when Hennick was able to eliminate him, if I'm not mistaken. Or right after, uh, right after he had... Hennig had gotten to the ropes on the figure four or something. It, it was something around there. So, real quick, the final two, as we mentioned, were Mr. Perfect and uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine. And I don't remember how it actually happens, but yes, uh, Valentine does go on the offense and goes to put on the figure four. And then I think he was kicked out from it. I, I believe he that was, it, and that I, and that sends him over the top rope. No, I no, believe no, no, that no. Good. I believe that Hennig got out of the figure four, and then the Hammer tried to like clothesline him over by the ropes, and Hennig got out of the way and dumped him. It, okay, I I remember what it was. He does get out of the figure four. It right. was it wasn't a clothesline; it was a body slam. Valentine goes to body slam Hennig over the top rope, and they both end up going over. Hennig only falls on one foot and gets back into the ring while Valentine goes all the way out. Okay, I'm that almost, makes sense. I'm a, yeah, I'm about 90% certain that's what happens. One of Hennig's feet hit the ground, but he gets back in because there were two referees. And this was kind of the first time that they made a focus to say both feet must hit the floor. And you almost would not see it again until 
the, the British Bulldog Shawn Michaels Royal Rumble. The 95 Royal Rumble. Yeah. But, I, because, like I said, two referees were looking, although, you know, they edited, or not edited, but uh, they adjusted the angle to, you know, just in case both of Hennig's feet had hit the ground, you can't see it at all. And Hennig ends up getting back into the ring and picks up the victory. Thus ending the Kurt Hennig show. Thanks, Kurt. See you next set. Pretty much. Um, I have one thing to say. Yes. <laughs> Our next contest is Brett the Hitman Hard versus Ted DiBiase. Excuse me, the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase, accompanied by, for Christ's sake, no, it's the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase. Senior. Anyway. Accompanied to the ring by, dear God, that outfit, Sherry Martell. Yeah, I'm going to refrain from making any kind of um, a negative comments about the deceased here. I wasn't looking to make a negative comment. I'll, I'll just say I'm not. No, I, I'm not making any kind of sexually illicit comment about the deceased either. Okay, fair enough. But yes, that outfit. Could have just called her sensational set, Sherry. Anywho. Oh, sure. You get mad at me for even attempting. <laughs> okay, you have to be honest. Real quick. She's getting her worst out of that outfit. To be fair, most of the time she looked like she was about to burst out of her outfit. Sherry's outfits were almost constantly a size or two too small. Probably cheaper. That was probably done on purpose. What can I say? Sex sells. This is 1991 WWF. Sex still sells. I guess. As far as the match, um, there's not much to really remember about this match. And and I'm not saying it was a bad match, but... eh. You there, Harry? Yeah, I'm here. I was waiting for you to continue. I was waiting for you to continue what you were saying. I was kind of done with what I was going to say. I was, or I was oh. going to wait for you to say something. And you said it, it, it's not a bad match. It's just kind of there. I was waiting for you to expand upon that. No, it's definitely one of those cases where it seemed like the action between the two of these guys was kind of phoned in because they knew they were going to a screwy finish. And at the same time, Brett was just starting his singles push. Whereas DiBiase was nearing the end of his singles run, if I'm not mistaken, Money Incorporated would form shortly after this, if it wasn't already a thing, with him and uh, Erwin R. Scheister. Uh, I think it would be a few months still. Right, but the aforementioned earlier in our results, Mike Rotunda. Yeah. Um, Rotunda. That's what I said, Rotunda. I know. 
the reason... Let me continue where I was at so I don't get lost here. The reason I say that they kind of had no choice but really to do this is because D.B. Aussie was still relevant in the tag team division at this point, or he was getting ready to be relevant in the tag team division at this point. And I do believe this was right around the time where Brett was just leaving the tag team division. The timing would match up because this would be just after WrestleMania 7 when he and Neidhart lost titles to the second man. When Jimmy Hart's motorcycle had it, yes, I'm aware. Yeah, so... It wasn't uh, about the time that that, uh, Brett was starting his singles ride. Because I want to say it was either uh, it was either late it was later in '91 where the new foundation would form, and then Brett would win the Intercontinental Title from Kurt Hennig at SummerSlam. Uh, yeah, I know so the SummerSlam thing is, is a fact. Yeah, and that was four months from now. Right, and then Nightheart and Owen would be the new foundation probably within a couple of months of this. I don't know about that because I know they were still around at Royal Rumble '92. I thought I thought Brett teamed with Owen in oh no Brett teamed with Owen in '94. Yeah. So wait, it was Nightheart and Brett at Rumble '92. No, it was Owen and Nightheart. That's what I mean. I say it was. It would have been right around this time that the new foundation was formed. Possibly. I tell you, I, either, either way, we're, we're, we're splitting hairs here. It's the fact that by this point, Brett was starting his singles push, hence why I believe he would pick up the win here. And Gabiasi uh, was kind of, I, I don't want to say waiting for IRS to become a thing, but he, he didn't have much to do until IRS started growing as a character for Right. No, uh, Money Incorporated would definitely become relevant in the tag title scene. As a matter of fact, I do believe that the Nasties would drop the titles, and I'm trying to remember who they dropped the titles to. I think it might have been the Natural Disasters once they turned babyface. And then the Natural Disasters would lose the tag team titles to Money Incorporated. Or maybe it was the Bushwhackers that beat the Nasties for the tag titles. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm thinking LOD. No, I could say that no for a fact because I know for a fact that when L- when uh, Money Incorporated and LOD met for the first time, it was at SummerSlam 92 and neither team was a champion at that point. 
it was the opening match on the card of SummerSlam 92. Yeah. Alrighty. So, moving on, a major change ends up occurring right, well, I should say, not right after this match, but after this particular Saturday Night's main event, in that, for some reason, NBC chooses to not renew the contract to continue with Saturday Night's main event. I think it had to do with the fact that ratings had been in a decline and that's the reason that NBC decided not to renew the contract. And then what you're about to say happens. Then go ahead and I'll let you finish your thought. That's fine. Um, so, yes. NBC chooses to not renew the contract with WWF to continue Saturday night's main event and the main event. So, our following one, two, three matches occur uh, after Saturday. No. Yes. Two. Two. Just the tag match and then the, the IC title change. Uh, oh, comes back, that's not a match. I'm, no, no, no. I'm, I was putting the Roddy Piper thing in as a match, too. I forgot. Oh, no. The shock, the shock proof thing. There, I mean, it was a match, but they don't actually show the full match. Yeah. So our next two matches occur on the final two original one Saturday night's main events, but they would be the only two specials two Saturday night's main event specials to occur on, of all places, Fox. Fox would pick up a one-year contract, I believe, with the WWF to continue airing Saturday night's main event. Obviously, the ratings were not that good, and that contract would not be renewed. And following the November 14th, 1992 edition of Saturday night's main event, that would be the final one until March of 2006. But before Correct. we get to that, before we get to that, let's get to these couple of matches. So our next contest, from February 8th, 1992, the debut on Fox, Sid Justice, and at the time, still number one contender for the WWF Heavyweight Championship, brother, Hulk Hogan, at, Rest- at WrestleMania 8. Correct. Mm-hmm. Take on The Undertaker. And the, I believe, well, yeah, it would have to be because this is after Rumble 92, the WWF world champion, the Nature Boy Ric Flair. Undertaker and Ric Flair Ooh. are the two making their debuts on Saturday night's main event. For Ric Flair, this would be his only appearance. Um, um, correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. This match kind of happens as fallout from what happened at both Survivor Series 91 as well as Taboo Tuesday 91. And then in a, in, in a more Tuesday? current context, uh, this Tuesday in Texas, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you want from me, man? <laughs> I'm conditioned for Taboo Tuesday nowadays. I am a modern-day fan. But any, this Tuesday in Texas 91, where at Survivor Series 91, for those of you who don't know, Flair helps Taker win the heavyweight title from Hogan by sliding the chair into the ring that Taker hits Hogan with a tombstone on. That Hogan and apparently broke his neck and smashed every vertebrae in his back on. Yes, and then wrestled again like three weeks later. Three weeks? I think this was like six days. Was it that that close? Or it would have been 90s. 
I think it was legitimately nine days later. Survivor Series was first. That was a Sunday. You have the following Sunday. That Tuesday, I believe, was this Tuesday in Texas. It would have been, I think, nine days later. Broken neck, broken back. Rah, 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 rah. Anywho, for those, for, for those that don't know, real quick, Hogan wrote in his autobiography, aside from the fact that he apparently tore everything in his back when he slammed Andre, this is a direct quote, that supposedly the Undertaker completely messed up his neck and back on the tombstone on the chair at Survivor Series 1991. The problem with that is, if you watch the video, Hogan's damn head doesn't come within six inches of that chair. Carry on. Anywho, Hogan regains the title, allegedly, at Tuesday in Texas, 1991, when he throws the ashes from Taker's urn in Taker's face and rolls him up. The WWF president at the time, I still believe still Jack Tunney, correct me if I'm wrong, Funny Jack Tunney makes vacates the title after the way Hogan won it because screw you, brother, and puts it on the line in the 1992 Royal Rumble, which if you have any interest in listening to us cover, you may do so by checking out the archives of Wrestling Unwrapped over on the W2M Network page. To move very specifically, episode number three. Yes right before the 2016 Royal Rumble, for very relevant reasons. Correct. One of our higher-rated episodes of all time, actually. We don't talk numbers here, remember? That's no, your you rule. Do. You talk numbers. I don't. I'm the funny anyway. guy. Anyway. All right, well, if you try to be funny more often. Then. Anywho. Back Anywho. to this particular tag match. Yes, back to the tag match. So, oh, well, also, real quick, we should, there's one other thing we should add here. The reason for this specific match is because this came after the WrestleMania 8 press conference where Hulk Hogan was named the number one contender for the championship. So, at the exact point of this match, this tag match, we're still heading towards Ric Flair versus Hulk Hogan at, would it be the Hoosier Dome or the RCA Dome? I think it's the Dome. Yes, Okay. I think it's both, actually. Um, so we're still headed there. So Hogan is still the number one contender. And this is after Sid Justice flips out and rips Hogan a new one after the press conference. But then he apologizes and offers to tag with him on Saturday night's main event, taking on Undertaker and Ric Flair. This all plays into this match. At the beginning of this match, Sid Justice definitively seems to be, like, taking it all in. And almost, like, marking out to the fans' reaction of Hulk Hogan. Because at this point, I'll, I'll, I'll say it, Hogan gets an absolutely huge reaction, and this one does not look like it's edited in post, like the positive reaction to him being eliminated in the Rumble. Um, but as the match goes on and on and on, Brother Jack Dude doesn't go for a tag if he could be down by Undertaker Ric Flair. Why? Well, we could probably think of a few reasons why, but 
you know, he was he just didn't have the power to go for a tag. I think that's the reason we'll use. When in reality, he ain't stealing my spotlight, brother. Speaking so, of stealing spotlights, yes. Uh, just the best part about it here is the way that Sid responds. I'm trying to remember. You you don't remember the music to my ears quote? Oh yeah, okay. Duh, I was the one that brought that up. So you sent that to me via text message after, like we talked about when they originally cleared the ring, and then Hogan goes into his whole posing shtick because he's a piece of shtick. But he goes into his shtick and psycho and sorry, Sid Justice at the time. It's just glaring at him like, you spotlight-hogging a-hole. Yep. So Sid is getting more and more PO'd at Hogan, and it's becoming more and more clear the crowd sees what's happening, and it's starting to boo Sid more and more. So during the kind of final moments of this... Oh, by the way, we should mention, guess who accompanies Hogan and Sid Justice to the ring? Uh, Brother Brunei. Who else? The first public appearance since the parasailing accident. Except for the barbershop stuff. Actually, I, don't believe, off. I don't believe he had. The timing of this I, tells me yes, because Shawn Michaels is solo by now. So this would be his first time at ringside then rather than just being yeah. inside of the barbershop? Okay. I, yeah, I, I, think, I think that's what it was. It's his first time being, like, around the ring since his accident. So the crowd's starting to boom more and more. Sid Justice legitimately and directly on camera just goes, music to my ears. Which, give him credit, was probably off the cuff, but completely in character. It absolutely was, and I just, I, I laughed so hard when I heard that, and I don't know why. Uh, because um, of who you were saying it about. I, I don't think there's any question there. Yeah, probably. So, Undertaker and Flair just pretty much beat the hell out of Hogan. Hogan, you know, goes for what would have been the hot tag until Justice decides to uh, drop down and pull the strike force break up. Part, you know, by falling no, off. No, Tortito! <laughs> so he drops off the apron and completely deserts Hogan. And I'm still trying to figure out how the hell Hogan won. Disqualification? No, well, disqualification. Okay, because uh, Hogan, yeah, Undertaker Hogan and Flair, was not, Hogan was not disqualified. Taker and Flair come in and double-team. The referee reaches the five count because apparently some referees are capable of counting to five when two wrestlers are in the ring. And yeah. Flair and Taker are disqualified. Yeah, when I said double DQ, I meant Undertaker and Flair were disqualified. Yes, Undertaker and Flair were disqualified. Correct. So, so yeah, Hogan still can't lose despite being in a two-on-one against the heavyweight champion and the man who had beaten him for the heavyweight title two months prior. Correct. 
then have Roddy Piper go selling the shock stick, which was kind of funny and, you know, would unveil a vest that said shockproof. That, I, I actually did enjoy that. Uh, I was watching with Jason. I actually went and watched the entire full episode of Saturday Night's Main Event where they went to Fox because I was curious. Not once on the network do they mention the word Fox, by the way. Hmm. Which I think is kind of funny, but that's beside the point. Jason's watching it, and Jason is not able to suspend his disbelief. He looks over at me and goes, he's wearing a wetsuit. Uh, yeah, that that was clear as God day. laughing. Yeah, that that was that was absolutely clear as day that he was wearing like a wetsuit or something, and it was just a wetsuit that had been touched up with a paintbrush, like paintbrushed. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was, <laughs> was paintbrushed. No, okay. Our for our next match. <laughs> Our next airbrush and our ever. Okay. Okay, we get it. Our next match, which is our final match of the original run, is Shawn Michaels versus the British Bulldog for the British Bulldog's Intercontinental Championship. The one that he had beaten Brett for in front of 80,000 at Wembley Stadium at SummerSlam, which Vince goes on and on about at the beginning of this match. I'm trying to remember who did commentary for this one. I think it was, I think it was Heenan and Vince. I know Vince did. Vince and Bobby, I'm almost certain. Yeah. Um, the entire point of this match is pretty much British Bulldogs back. And that is kind of how uh, Shawn Michaels would end up winning, as Harry mentioned, the only title change in the entire history of Saturday night's main event, all I believe thirty-eight episodes. Wrong. I, huh? The only single title to change hands in the thirty-eight oh. episodes of Saturday night's main event. Yeah, correct. Sorry. Yeah, I forgot about that. Um. So, like I said, the entire premise of the match is Shawn Michaels trying to take out the British Bulldogs back, including exposing the turnbuckle, which Bobby Heenan actually says in a replay that he was putting it back. <laughs> after, and this was after he untied it. He untied it, but he left it up there, and during a, a replay, he goes, look, he was putting it back! Which obviously was complete bull, but Bobby Heenan, what do you expect? And in the end, it wasn't a cross-body block. It was Sean lands on the British Bulldog when the Bulldog's back gives out during the it superplex. Was, it was a crossbody block out of the superplex attempt. No, it wasn't. He it landed was on him. No, it wasn't, because the Bulldog's back gives out. Um, Sean, can you turn in here? Are you available? He might not be available. He might be doing that no way I was. He might be doing that whole C three E three thing or whatever it is. The uh the video C3. game. Which, by the way. E three, is that what it's called? Yes. You're you're mix real quick, you're mixing that up with C two E two, which is a Chicago comic book convention. Oh, okay. Well that explains why I got that all confused. 
He's probably getting ready to cover that on Video Games to the Max coming up after us here on the W2M Network on SoundCloud. Which is show... Why? We're on a time crunch. Yeah. Show... (laughs) Eddie Kingston shout out there. Anywho, um... What was I saying? Oh, yeah, the the finish to the match. Yeah. No, if you watch closely, he lands like a cross-body block. He lands chest-to-chest, legs... Above shoulders. Yes, because it's how you're taught to land, but he didn't turn it into a cross-body block. That would have been damn near impossible from the position he was in. He just landed on it. So, are you, you're, here, I'll ask this. Are you trying to tell me that Chico Santana at WrestleMania 8 via a cross-body block? Uh, I actually have never watched WrestleMania 8 before. Tito goes to body slam Shawn Michaels back into the ring. Shawn grabs the ropes. And Tito... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Can't keep him up and ends up splatting and Sean lands on him. Our the exact same finish that we just saw here. Then yes, I would call that a cross-body landing. You're out of your mind. It's not so much that he actually leaps off with the cross-body block. It's the way in the landing... It's it's just simply that he landed on him because Bulldog's back is out. Anyway, Shawn Michaels wins to become the Intercontinental Champion for the first time, I believe. I do believe you are correct. This would be his first reign with the Intercontinental title, and it would last until, I believe he's stripped of the title right before, right ahead of the match with Razor Ramon at WrestleMania 10. I don't remember him losing it in 93. I know he wrestled Tatanka at WrestleMania 9 and won, and lost in the opening match by disqualification, but retained the title. Yeah. See, there, I'll say this, though. At this point, Shawn Michaels winning, or the biggest thing about Shawn Michaels winning is the fact that I believe somewhere in the neighborhood of eight days later, we would go into SummerSlam Survivor Series. Survivor, Survivor Series. Why the hell did it? Yeah, sorry. I, I meant to say Survivor Series. We would go into Survivor Series. it up. Yeah. We would go, go into Survivor Jesus, okay, fine, lucky. <laughs> we would go into Survivor Series 92, and it, the main event was Sean versus Brett at a Survivor Series. No, not that one. And it would now be champion versus champion. I... Thing. I don't think it was title for title, though. It was only the no. rest. Not, not title for title. One title on the line. It's also available on Greatest Superstars of the 90s. Correct. And Brett would end up winning. He was for Brett's title only. So Sean was going in there, possibly becoming a champion. But at the very could and would walk out with one belt. 
Brett retains the sharpshooter in about 24 minutes, I do believe. I was going to say, they, they go a long time. They do. So, yeah. So, that would be the end of the original run from 1985 to 1992 of Saturday Night's Main Events. Out of the blue, like completely out of the blue, I think I just happened to be watching NBC one day and saw a commercial for it just out of nowhere. The two weeks, or I should say a Saturday, two weeks before WrestleMania 22, for the first time since 1992, we would get a Saturday night's main event. I believe the first one was live. So it was Saturday in prime time. By the end of the return run, it would be airing Saturday night in the same time slot that it had originally, during its original run. Uh, no. I'm almost certain the entirety of the return to Saturday Night's Main Event began at either 8 or 9 p.m. There were no episodes of Saturday Night's Main Event that began at 11.30. That's if you weird. If you remember, the original SNME, I do believe, when it started, aired at 11.30 and replaced with Saturday Night Live. Yeah, that, that's the time slot that I was talking about. I don't believe you are correct. I think every single one of them started at either 8 or 9 o'clock p.m. Mm. I'm I'm seriously not sure about that because I can I'm, I'm almost 90% certain that the one that has Matt Hardy versus uh, Evander Holyfield is late, like super late. Hold on, like I think it was you, almost midnight when I started wa- when that match happened. You, you you talk for a few seconds. I'm going to Wikipedia. Okay, so we now come to the relaunch of it. And the first match featured is kind of a preview for WrestleMania 22. It is a street fight featuring Shawn Michaels and Shane McMahon. And knowing what these two can do, you should expect a hell of a match. And guess what? We got a hell of a match, including what Jim Ross called a king-sized superplex uh, off of a ladder, out of the ring, to the floor, through two tables, which... Holy crap. That was huge. Yeah, Shane was never really shy about taking those kind of psychotic bumps, was he? I mean, it's not like he took multiple 20-plus foot falls or anything. No, it's not like he took one like three months ago or anything. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I mean, they crush these tables. Oh, yeah. Like, we're talking, like, splinters left on the pad on the mats at ringside. Yeah. Like, and, and that's, what, that's kind of what threw me off. It didn't break like a table breaks now where it's almost perfectly down the middle. No, they crunch, they crunch and crush these tables into multiple pieces. Correct. Yeah. Any luck? Oh, no, I'm still looking. Carry on. Okay. So, yeah, so Sean and Shane have one hell of a match, but because this was going into Shawn Michaels versus Vince McMahon, Vince McMahon had to stick his nose in this match. As a matter of fact, he'd stick his nose into this match in the next match. Ugh. And... 
think the referee gets knocked out somehow, to which Vince tells Shane to put Sean into the sharpshooter. Yes. Sean doesn't tap out, but gosh damn it, guess what happens? Vince says, ring the bell, and tells Lillian to say the winner by submission is Shane McMahon. Why? Because. Because meme we cannot repeat on this particular podcast. (laughs) It happened. It's done with. By this point, it had been nine years. We're now going on 19 years, and we just saw it again. You asked why, Patrick? Why? Yeah, or yeah, I did. Because you, that's why. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wikipedia, though. Wikipedia does not have any listing for the start times of the episodes of Saturday Night's Main Event. Well, I could have told you that Wikipedia wouldn't. Well, I'm checking IMDb now, so we'll we'll, we'll figure okay. this out yet. Okay. Have fun with that. Any thoughts on this match? Sean and Shane? Yes. Up until the both finish? Fantastic. That both finish leaves a very bad taste in your mouth, though. Yeah. Obviously, the entire point of that finish, Vince would end up getting his commitment. 15 days later at WrestleMania 22 in one of the greatest ass kickings you'll ever see in your life. And for some weird reason, I love that match. Because Vince takes an ass beating. Oh, he, 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 take, he takes a evil one kicking like nothing ever, and it would finish with... God. Unfortunately, that match would lead us directly to our next match because it was the feud with Vince that led to the reformation of Degeneration X. And I'm going to catch a lot of flack for this, and I don't care. You ready for controversial opinion time with Harry? Hang on, hang on. Can I at least introduce the match first? I already did earlier in the results. And But okay, there's one ahead. thing you missed. There's one thing you missed. Our next I match. Kind of. Our next match from the following Saturday night's main event, so the day before my birthday, day before my 15th birthday, is Shawn Michaels and Triple H, D-Generation X, facing off against the spirit squad of Kenny, Johnny, Mitch, Nikki, and Mikey. Yes, I remember them. Shut up. No, that that would be Dolph Ziggler, Johnny Jeter, Kenny Dykstra, Nick Mitchell, and Mike Wando. I wasn't going to go that far, but okay. The WWE, or excuse me, the World Tag Team Champions, the Spirit Squad, in a five-on-two elimination match, where, (laughs) kind of, where, if you are eliminated from the match, you're put into a penalty box. Wait. It's a ringside holding cage. Yeah, it's a penalty box. So what you're saying is that they're ripping off TNA's King of the Mountain? Mm, I was going to go with the penalty box match from WCW. I don't remember said penalty box match from WCW. I guess I should... Con- oh, the Filthy Animal versus Misfits in Action. Yes, I do. Uh, Misfits in Action or Team Canada? Oh, Team Canada. Uh, 
Misfits in Action versus Team Canada. Yeah, not Filthy Animals. My mistake. Yeah. So, okay. Honestly, we're probably going to have the exact same opinion on this. Depending on where it goes. Go ahead, Harry. You ready for controversial opinion with Harry time? Go ahead. Degeneration X should have never reformed. I disagree. And the reason I say that... The reason I say that is because the entire sole reasoning for Degeneration X reforming was to give Sean and Triple H something to do while the heavyweight title was on Cena. And I get that. I'm okay with that. That's fine. But there was absolutely no freaking reason for them to bury the entirety of the tag team division in the process. Here's my question. Did they really bury... Okay, let me rephrase this. During their first run... So, 06 into, uh, no, this would have been 06, because I think Triple H gets injured in November. Did they really bury the entire tag team division? Triple H gets injured at New Year's Revolution in 2007. Okay, January, sorry. Sorry, January. Do they really bury the entire tag team division? The raw tag team division? Absolutely. Caden Murdoch, the Highlanders, Rosie, and whoever the hell Rosie was teaming with, I don't remember. And uh, the Spirit Squad. Yeah, they buried the entirety of it. And if you don't believe me, go back and watch these 2006 episodes of Raw on the network. See, my problem is, at this point, I liked the first half of their first run when they were mostly fighting against Vince. I like that part. So we're going trying to think. We're going from April through September. We are going to have to agree to disagree here because honestly it was it was in September and October mostly where the tag team division got the raw end of the deal. And I specifically remember, because I have a couple episodes of raw on DVD from that time frame. Don't ask me why, I just do. They were sent to me as extras. And I specifically remember that Vince is still trying to get back at Degeneration X, so he books a six-on-two handicap match, where it is the Highlanders, Charlie Haas and Viscera, not Rosie, my apologies, and who was the other team in question? Caden uh, Murdoch against DX six on two. And yeah, the match goes about two minutes. DX clean pinfall victory. Really surprised? No, and that's my problem. I, sh- I shouldn't. We shouldn't be having these kinds of things happen to the tag team division. Vince wonders why nobody cares about tag team wrestling. These are the reasons that nobody cares about tag team wrestling. I'm turning into Jimmy C over here. Obviously, Jimmy C is the resident tag team guy on the reaction. He loves tag team wrestling. He does. Anywho, um, but uh, getting back to this particular match, this is. Yeah, this this one's bad. This this one's terrible. 
in the fact that, as you mentioned, okay, what's televised is 625, I believe you said? Yeah, when you factor in the commercial break during the match, it actually runs about nine minutes. Okay. That's exactly what I was about to mention, is that this this match, I know without a shadow of a doubt, was live. Because I remember watching this one, and I know this one was in prime time, because I distinctly remember watching it, and this is featured somewhere. And I, for the life of me, cannot remember where. Because when you go from the beginning of the break, or from the last part of the match going into the break to coming back from the break, when you come back from the break, Triple H has something wrapped around his head. Or maybe it's in his hand by this point, but it's something. And it's essentially like a, a... like a karate belt almost. The reason I mention that is because during the break, he essentially went full-on karate kid on the spirit squad and started doing the wax on, wax off, stuff like that. He did that only during the break, and this was at the point when WWE was kind of doing what ABC does during the Indy 500. Yes, I'm still bringing that back where you'll go to a commercial break, but we'll leave the coverage on somewhere. You know, ABC does side-by-side. In this case, it was WWE.com, and I remember seeing that part live. So I know this match was live, and it was completely ridiculous and funny as hell. For the life of me, I can't remember. That was me hitting my grill, sorry. I cannot remember where the hell it is, though. I know it's featured somewhere. I would imagine it's probably on the one of the the DX DVDs. Um, the new and improved DX, maybe? I, that's where I'm thinking could is the new and improved DX, which would make the most sense. Beyond that, this, yeah, get the shovels. Get a lot of shovels, because this, this one's bad. And get all the shovels. Yeah. I think there's one elimination before the break, like, legitimately within the first... 80 seconds of the match. I think there's one elimination before the break. The rest all occur after, and this includes a run-in from Vince McMahon who waffles Sean with a chair. And that was on the stage before the commercial break. Yeah, but I, I know that part was not on the commercial break. That was still on this match. Um, and two eliminations before the commercial break. Oh, okay. Nick, uh, Mitch went out at 1 minute and 18 seconds. I have the, the times right in front of me. Shall I? Mm-hmm. Michaels pins Mitch, sweet chin music, rest in peace, Mitch the potted plant, at 1 minute and 18 seconds. Triple H pins Johnny Jeter, spinebuster at 1 minute and 43 seconds. Triple H pins Z- uh, Nikki Dolph Ziggler. Pedigree at 5 minutes and 7 seconds. Triple H pins Mikey, Mike Mondo. Sweet Chin Music by Shawn Michaels at 5.30. Triple H pins Kenny Dykstra. Sweet Chin Music by Michaels into the pedigree for the final pinfall at 6.25. Yeah, so this this was a show acting. And that's putting and in the... And then it would finish with... Uh, Vince attempting to let all the spirit squad out of the cage 
because yes, four of them were smashed into one cage, only four. They didn't put the fifth guy in there. And as he is opening the door, the spirit squad won't come out, and sure enough, Vince turns around and eats another sweet chin music, to which Sean then locks the door again. So, yeah, this, yeah. this one was ugly. This was bad. Um, pretty, pretty much it is everything not to do with your tag team champions wrapped up in about a six and a half minute uh, sequence. Yeah. So that brings us to our final match on, on this, on the main feature of this disc and on the main feature period. Yeah. I'm going to mention real quick what goes on before this match happens on this disc. There's a reason why. This was at the point, this DVD was made at the point where they were bashing you over the head with Cena. You think people complain about Reigns now? Remember the WWE and and everything that they did with Cena. Why do I say that? They legitimately call John Cena versus Edge, one of the greatest rivalries in sports. They compare it to Johnson and Bird, Ewing and Jordan. Uh, I, I can't remember the other ones that, that, that they include. All, but Ali Frazier. Yeah, and Ali Frazier, wrestling piece Muhammad Ali. And I don't remember if McGuire and Sosa is mentioned. But... To call this one of the greatest rivalries in sports? Okay, yes. You can overshoot a little. This is a little ridiculous. Yes, they had a fantastic rivalry. And it, I think part of the culmination was one of my favorite TLC matches ever where they wrestled in Edge's hometown for Unforgiven 06. I absolutely love that pay-per-view because it has Trisha's last match, that TLC, and GX versus the McMahons and Big Show in a Hell in a Cell match where the Big Show doesn't take a bump. If we ever cover that pay-per-view, we'll talk about why. But one of the greatest rivalries in sports. No. Just No. I have nothing to add to that. Why, am I wrong? No, that's why I have nothing to add. Okay. Good. So, getting into the match, Edge versus John Cena for Edge's WWE Championship. Uh, one of the very, very few... I, I, I know it was... Well, the early ones had quite a few, but... There weren't really that many WWE Championship matches in or on Saturday night's main event in the overall run. So they hyped the hell out of this because I think this episode may... Oh, no, it couldn't have. I was going to say this episode may have had all titles on the line, but it didn't because the tag champs were in that burial. But... Yes, this match ends up being painfully short, but it's a good match of Cena versus Edge. The problem is, at this point, we were still in wormy Edge territory. 
mostly due to the fact that Lita was also there, as being accompanied by Lita, I should say. And uh, yes, let's go with accompanied, so that way we don't make any inappropriate comments. Remember when I? He is not deceased, so can we make jokes this time? Yes, we can make jokes this time. Okay, good. Because remember, folks, when we were talking about Sherry Martell nearly bursting out of her outfit at during uh, uh, Hitman versus DiBiase, that is nothing compared to Lita's outfit. Damn. Uh, I don't know if any of our fans listening are going to get this reference, but do you remember Jennifer Lopez's shower curtain? Vaguely. That had more material than Lita was wearing on this episode of Saturday Night's Main Event. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, she's she, she's wearing a V-cut nothing. <laughs> That's the best way I can describe it. A V-cut nothing. And this is post-boob job, Lita. So they're on full display. Yeah. But this was also Lita with Edge, which was most of Lita's outfits at this time. Except for one particular episode of Raw where she wore even less and unfortunately got caught for it. Wasn't that the uh, the, the live sex celebration where she flashes a nipple? Yep. She got That's caught for it. Getting back to the story... <laughs> God. I, I, I just I just imagine Sean finally listening in and hearing me say the word nipple twice within the span of about 30 seconds. He's losing his crap over there. That's like what I'm expecting. <laughs> oh, see, I figured he was going to lose it at the live sex celebration mention. Good yeah. God, what do you guys think I am? Some prude or something? I don't care <laughs> what you talk about as long as you don't say actual curse words more than like a couple times. For God's sakes. <laughs> we just like giving you grief, especially when we know you're probably not listening. No, I have to hear you the entire time. Then why didn't you answer when we called you earlier? Uh, because I didn't think it was that important. But uh, oh, okay. <laughs> Anywho, I'm not important. How dare you? <laughs> See, I like to give you grief too. All right, friends, we'll talk to you later. Patrick, continue. Uh, so, Jesus. Getting, getting out of this match. Yeah, it's just too painfully short to really have any full opinion about it. Which is kind of a problem. Because they basically did say there was going to be a World or WWE Championship match, and then they completely cheat you out of it, kind of. But you kind of get a good payoff here where this was at the point where Edge was, I believe, almost constantly cheating. Anything anything to, you know, get out of losing the belt. And I believe in this case, Cena hits the FU. Yes, one, not quite the two, not... Good. Just going to say, yes, the FU, not quite the AA at this point. Yeah. I, I Yeah, this, this was definitely still the FU. I think it became the AA... In 08, after the PG changeover. That sounds about right. So, one, two, 
Lita pulls the breath out. Yes. And uh, Coyote. I, Coyote, I believe. Uh, I believe you're right. I believe it's Coyote. Because mm-hmm. he is ugly. Anyway. I don't I don't want to hear another damn word about my blow-away joke from earlier tonight. We are even, because that was awful. Uh, I tried, okay. You get A for effort. E for effort. Um, for those of you who don't know, since I... Is he still around? You don't see him nearly as much anymore. Uh, I think so. For those of you who don't know... Uh, Coyote, in this particular instance, would be my Kyoto. Yeah. I've just always called him Coyote, because I think it's funny. Yeah, it makes, it makes sense. Um, so, Lita pulls the ref out. I believe she slaps the ref, too. Uh, she actually pulls the referee out a second time, and on the second time, she slaps him. Yeah. Obviously, what would this cause? A disqualification. Edge keeps the belt, but Cena wins. Cena being ever so cute, actually does a pretty damn big thing here and delivers another FU off the top of the, I believe, off the top of the stairs, putting Edge through the announce table. Which, okay, I'd be angry about, you know, not winning the championship, but damn. And, and you leave them blank. I believe this is how the episode would finish. Yeah, I, I do believe they go off the air off of Edge being put through the announce table with the FU off the ring yeah. steps. Yes. So, so yeah, uh, uh, kind of a, a good finish here to you know a match that was part of the greatest rivalry in sports, which also finishes off. The disc and all the main features, all 32 matches that we've covered on se- on the best of Saturday night's main event. But, uh, but not quite but wait, but wait, there's more. Thank you, Ron Popeil. <laughs> so, going back to disc one, we got two bonus matches to talk about here. Going back to disc one. I thought it was cool that they included the first ever match from Saturday Night's Main Event history. As we Absolutely agree. Ton- yeah. Uh, Ricky Steamboat and then the U.S. Express, Mike Rotunda, and Barry Ro- Window. Rotunda. Rotunda. Versus the Iron Sheik, Nikolai Volkov, and I forgot he was actually a heel, George the Animal Steel. This was actually his babyface turn that led to the animal that everyone would know and love. This would be the babyface turn that would lead to the obsession with Elizabeth going into the WrestleMania 2 match between George and uh, Randy, if I do believe. Yeah, I mean, well, the timing would add up. Um, because I, he may go missing eventually, which would lead to the uh, scene with Gene and going through the Detroit Zoo and the Detroit, the, the Detroit Tigers coming. What kind of tiger is that, George? Detroit. Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I know the most spot on this entire set. Yeah. <laughs> Full circle. Um, 
I, like I said, I, and I know you disagree. I did like the fact that they included this. Um, there wasn't a whole lot to the match. And obviously, being the first ever match, you're going to try to want to start the show off hot. So, the good guys win, which, as we mentioned, would also lead to Iron Sheik and Nikolai Volkov deserting Steel and would eventually lead to George Steele's Feaster. So, while the match itself, there wasn't much to it, it would lead to bigger things to come. Well, not to mention, too, you, you mentioned the fact that they wanted to start off hot, and that I agree with as well, and the fact that they had the uh, the babyface team of the U.S. Express, who I believe might have still been the tech. Was this before the first WrestleMania or after the first? I think this was after the first WrestleMania, so the U.S. Express, I don't think they had gotten their rematch for the tag titles yet either. I don't know, because I don't remember that Sheik and Volkov had the belt. Sheik and Volkov won the titles from the U.S. Express at the first WrestleMania. Oh, they might have lost the titles by the time this match aired, is what you're saying. Okay, yeah, that's what you, might be right. you might be right there, actually, now that I think about it. Because if I'm not mistaken, I think they dropped the belts. No, I believe they would drop the belts on a Saturday night's main event to the Bulldogs. Mm. I don't know. Or maybe they dropped the belts to the Bulldogs and then the rematch against the Bulldogs for Sheik and Volkov was on the Saturday night's main event. I might have gotten those two mixed up. I'm not 100% certain about that, honestly. It's okay. Move on. So, and then um, I'll, I'll mention real quick. Also on this specific episode, it happened to occur or it happened to air, I think, the night before Mother's Day. So we get a part where Junkyard Dog actually dances with his mom in the ring. I thought that was kind of funny. And we also get the real American music video, the Hulk Hogan theme song. Even though, technically, it shouldn't have been the Hulk Hogan theme song. It should have been the U.S. Expresses. Why do I think the funny feeling that it may have been meant to be the U.S. Expresses theme song and Hogan pulled rank? Probably. Who the hell knows? I'm just saying, would you be surprised? Because I sure as hell wouldn't. Gee, it's Hulk Hogan. No. Brother. Moving on to disc two, uh, I honestly didn't watch the Brother in Love interview with Hulk Hogan because I never watched Brother in Love. Um, uh, it, it's in between uh, the start of the feud between Hogan and Boss Man. It's on the way to the cage match that we covered on this too. Okay, that makes sense. And okay. our final contest, kind of wrapping things up here, only because of the week that it is, Dusty Rhodes main event. And it is the American Dream Dusty Rhodes versus, of all people, the Big Boss Man. Um, who sadly, I also believe, who sadly, I also believe, passed away in June. Yeah, I, I believe you're right there. I um, think it was of 2003. Eh, sounds about right. Um, once again, just just like with the bonus match of this one, this is another match where the match itself doesn't matter that much. Right. 
Um, and it's what happened after that, you know, is, is kind of the reason why it's on here. So from October... Well, during. Huh? During the match, more technically. Because she... She gets involved with Slick at ringside during the match, and the distraction leads to Dusty getting the roll-up in on the boss man for the pinfall. Oh, yeah, that is true. And, yeah, Dusty would end up picking up the win here and would invite Sapphire into the ring to dance with him. What is with everybody dancing in the bonus features? Uh, And Sapphire would dance with Dusty... uh, after the match, and that would lead to their partnership, which would go until SummerSlam 1990, I believe. When Sapphire joined up with Ted DiBiase. Because everybody's got a price for the million-dollar man. If you're going to quote the man, can we quote him correctly? How did I get that wrong? Or did I forget to laugh? Uh, Everybody's got a price. Everybody's going to pay because the million dollar man always gets his way. <laughs> I'm not, qu- I'm not quoting his damn theme song. I am. <laughs> Good Lord. Hey, I- I'm, t- I'm just telling you if they ever made a best of the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase set for the WWE, we would totally be reviewing it. My question is, why the hell hasn't it been done yet? You know, with as many people that have DVDs that do, I'm right there with you, actually. Yeah. So, because, like, I think the biggest feature he's ever gotten was the either the greatest superstars of the 80s or Legends of Mid-South. But he's never... He deserves his fault. Speaking of Legends of Mid-South, do you own that set? I do not. Ah, boo. Anyway, why don't we finish up here first? Is it time for what I think it's time for? Well, hang on. Finally, after two episodes, we are finally done with the best of Saturday night's main events. Any thoughts before we go to the big finish? Or are you just going to save them for it? Um... We just sat here and discussed Saturday night's main event for about three hours and 35 minutes. I don't think there's anything else really left to say. Fair enough. So why don't we go into everything? What time is it, Patrick? Uh, About 8.53, my time. What time is it, Patrick? Game time who? You're lucky you live on. You're lucky you live 400 miles away from me. That's one more time. What time is it, Patrick? It's time for the big finish. Thank you. <laughs> time for for after two weeks, our best and worst match of this, and our cash and our trash, and eventually our final ratings on this. As we always do, we start with the best and the worst match. Um, how, about we start, how about we start off on the low point here? What's your worst match on this entire set? There's 34 to go through. You're bound to find a bad one. What's your worst match? 
Hold on, I have to go back and look at the results for some of these matches because I don't entirely remember some of the ones we covered last week. <laughs> Thank God I have the match listing right in front of me from the DVD set. Yeah, I, I'm sure if I went and grabbed my DVD set off of the desk where I keep my DVDs, I'd find it too. Um, all right, I, I'm going to choose kind of a call-out answer to this. Disc two, disc two, the rematch for the Intercontinental title between the Honky Tonk Man and the Ultimate Warrior. Why? And the reason I'm going to go with that is because I, I honestly feel like you really didn't need to give Honky Tonk Man a rematch. And the reason I say that is, let's be honest, for the vast majority of Honky Tonk Man's run, he was a joke. Giving him a rematch here, even on a Saturday night's main event, while yes, you're giving Warrior a good spotlight, put Honky Tonk Man in a spotlight that he didn't deserve. So I'm going to go with Warrior and Honky Tonk Man in the rematch from Disc 2. Okay. How about you, Patrick? Um, What's your worst match on this set? I'm going to go with kind of a surprising one. It's one that bugs me. It's one that bugged me when we talked about it last week, too. Um, from this one, Jake Snake Roberts versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. It's hard to call that the worst match just because of who they are and how the match was. I I understand why you would pick it because of the disappointment factor, and I'm guessing that's the reason because of what it could have been as opposed to what it was. Much like the reason that I chose Brock and Ambrose as the worst match from WrestleMania 32, yeah. So I appreciate the Jackie Steamboat and Chief Roberts. Anything they had should have been gold. You didn't need a stupid stipulation of the snake pit. You didn't need all the damn animals. Okay, fair enough. Jake, you know, always had Damien with him. But that cast a pull on it. That's what the focus of the match was instead of the two that were in the ring. You know, and eventually you would get Jake Roberts and Randy Savage, two heels that told an amazing story when they were threatened if you don't have an amazing match, you're both fired. Or you'll never be on Saturday Night's Main Event again. Why couldn't you have given these two that kind of, you know, pep talk where you threaten to fire them? This match should have been absolute gold. But instead, it's... It, and yes, I'm even saying this over, you know, our almost eternal hatred of Hulk Hogan and how many Hulk Hogan matches there were. Yes, I'm actually giving it to this. You know what the problem is? The, the problem is isn't so much that the Hogan matches are bad because, you know, let's be honest, he was never really a great worker. He was in the ring with a lot of really good workers on this set, and that kind of carries him. You know what I was tempted to give it to? I was what? actually tempted, I was tempted to pick the match from disc one myself. I was tempted to give it to the boxing match between Mr. T and Bob Orton Jr., but that seemed kind of like a cop-out to do that. Yeah, kind of, and plus, that that's another one that would lead to bigger things. If this match didn't, I think this was the blow-off. Yes, 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 this was the blow-off of the match, because I looked up the date of this SNME, when I was trying to see if I already had this match, This, and I think we talked about this last week, this match would have been about two months after the WrestleFest 1988 match. 
that's on the Jake the Snake Roberts and Ricky Steamboat DVD set. Yeah. So it's on both. It's on both. I think the Steamboat one is called the Dragon, and then Jake the Snake one is obviously Pick Your Poison. Yeah. So. So yeah, it's 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 kind of a, a disappointment factor here for me. So, but moving on. All right, Aries. What's your best match on this set? And if there are some good ones. What's your best? It's hard to pick only one. Do it. And the the reason I say it's hard to pick only one, I'm stalling for time here. It's hard to pick only one. It's because there are a lot of really, really good selections to choose from. That being said, uh, all right, I think I, I, I guess I don't have a choice but to go with this one here. I'm going to pick the preview of the WrestleMania. Wait, wait, I almost fell. All right, I'm good. I'm going to pick the preview of the WrestleMania 4 main event. I'm going to go with Randy Savage and Ted DiBiase Sr. from Disc 2. Fair enough. Um, Jay Yeah, You're absolutely right. And, and there's so many moments that you could choose from. You could have, you know, the formation of the Mega Powers, the split up of the Mega Powers. Um... The, either of the steel cage matches that are on here. You can put the first Battle Royal on here, because that's actually a really good match. Uh, the second Battle Royal is a, a pretty damn good match, too. Um, but for me, I'm actually going to go with this free match. And it's one that surprised me at how good it is, and I talked about it earlier tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, and the words keep going. Exactly. Yeah, you do know. Yeah, obviously the five on two elimination match. Yes, I'm kidding. I'm going um, to punch you square in the balls when I see you. <laughs> you actually have Draymond to Green. Draymond Green style. Ooh. So then you'll yes. be suspended from ever coming to a show. At least one <laughs> well, show. For, for one for one show, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Um yeah. You're right. I am actually picking Mr. Perfect versus Chico Santana for the Intercontinental Championship. Um, uh, I'll admit I'm a little surprised, but okay. I, I think part of it was, for me, knowing that I'm not a Chico fan, I was surprised at how good it was. The crowd was super into this match. Like, really into this match. Unlike anything that you would kind of see at that point. It almost felt like more of a modern crowd, you know, showing appreciation towards everything in the match. Um, you know, even kind of the goofiness with everything that happens with Hebner. You know, but it still wasn't bad. Uh, even even the commentary, you know, was, was actually really good for this match. Um... And there were multiple times where you could easily see Tito pick up the win and Perfect just kept kicking out. So, I yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that I'm saying this as well, but my pick is actually Tito versus Perfect. Shall we, right. shall we take a trip into our cash and our trash for this set now? Yes, we shall. And... Since we started on the negative aspect for best and worst match, 
why don't we just continue it that way with cash and trash? So, Harry, what is your trash for this? I had to sit through the pile driver music video. That is four minutes of my life I will never get back. We we talk about the affinity for nostalgia on this show, and I, I kind of opened our discussion about this DVD last week when I mentioned the fact that if you're big into nostalgia, this is the set for you. Some of these things should have stayed in the 80s, and that's one of them. All righty. <laughs> um, love is like a Ghostbuster, just so you know. He never hits a pile driver. If you listen to last week, if you listen to last week's episode of the show, you get that joke. He never hits a pile driver. Um, for me, and this is going to kind of seem weird, I could have gone without the interviews that were in it. I'm, I'm okay with the extra features that are in it. So, like, me and Gene Overland and George Steele going to the zoo. Um... And the Oktoberfest one, which we didn't mention, but I, I thought that one was actually really good, especially when Mean Gene himself, and I'm quoting Sean, and there's a reason I'm saying that. I'm quoting. When Mean Gene calls uh, the genius the master sausage stuffer himself. It was a sign of what would become for Mean Gene and WCW, when it was all about being kinky old man gene. Yeah. Was that really kinky old man gene? Or was that making fun of the geniuses? You know. Anyway. Was, it, um, was he calling him a little foo-foo? Yes. A church fruit, yeah. Anywho. God, we're going to hell tonight. Anyway. But I liked those. I could have done without the interviews of, like, Randy Orton, you know, being in school and being a big man on campus. I could have gone without Ted DiBiase talking about going to school and being the big man on campus when he was a kid. I could have done without those. Okay, to be clear, or gun. Sorry, just to be fair, that was the only time Craig DiBiase Jr. was ever the big man on anything related to wrestling. Aw, uh, too could soon. Could have been big with legacy. He could have been big with legacy, but oh well. Um, but I did like the Jake Roberts interviews, but I, I they were taken from Picture Poison, or at least that interview day. So it's kind of one of those things I could have done without those interviews. Just leave a segment 
maybe leave Gene's introduction, take the rest of the extra shtick out. Alrighty. And what is your cash? Now how you mentioned best, best and worst match, and you yeah. were talking about segments during the course of best and worst match, and I'm sitting here thinking, how the hell are you going to nominate a segment for best or worst match? That's what Cash and Trash is for. And that specific designation for Cash and Trash is something like the split of the Mega Powers. Randy Savage is a hero. And that is one of the best done, air quotes, heel turns because he wasn't lying of all time. He was right. My cash for this set is the breakup of the Mega Powers. Patrick? Um, hence why we were also discussing earlier about you know, almost near MVP statuses on this PPE set. We mentioned Mr. Perfect and uh, Randy Savage. So, since you took the Randy Savage tab, I'm going to take the Mr. Perfect tab in the fact that he's four of the first five matches on disc three. It's the only four matches that he has featured in. But the thing is, every match that he has, even Hogan Warrior that got off a of tag match, he steals the show. So I'm glad that they, you know, gave him a fair chunk of time almost on this set, whether it was meant to be like that or not. Um, you know, but like I said, his match with Tito was great. Um his his performance in the Battle Royal was great, especially with how he ends up winning. His performance against Hulk Hogan was great until the end. And, you know, he did his part in bumping, sorry, to steal a line from OSW Review, bumping like an absolute boss for Warrior and Hogan in the tag match. And he just absolutely steals the show in this. I'm glad that he got almost, almost the first half of the final TVD. So my overall cash for this is the feature of Mr. Perfect. Ladies and gentlemen watching, okay, let's be honest, mostly listening. Let's be honest, mostly gentlemen. If you do not own the life of the life and times of Mr. Perfect, as a diehard wrestling fan, I say this, you owe it to yourself to pick it up. This man was so underappreciated for what he had, what he gave to the sport on his original run before his back unfortunately gave out on him. If Hennig's back doesn't get screwed up to the point that he has to retire for a while after SummerSlam 91, we're talking about Kurt Hennig among the all-time greats in the World Wrestling Federation. And there is no doubt in my mind in saying that. Alrighty. Uh, one final thing to get through that we've almost been putting off for two weeks. Harry? 
What is your final score, your final rating, for WWE's The Best of Saturday Night's Main Event? I have a funny feeling that the one-point thing is going to stay intact here. Probably. Because we've been heaping a lot of praise on this show. This set isn't without its flaws. There are certain things that you can legitimately scratch your head and be like, why was that included? Why was that there? Or, and then certain other things that, why wasn't that included? Why did they only highlight it? But the fact of the matter is this. It is seven and a half hours, seven and, seven and a half? Yeah, that's what I meant to say. Yeah. You heard me. Seven and a half. Seven and a half hours of pure wrestling nostalgia. If you were like me and you became a wrestling fan in the late 80s, early 90s, this is everything you remember watching as a kid. These are all the faces that you remember watching. These are all the main angles that you remember watching. These are all the major players that you remember seeing. This is everything WWF nostalgia is to a fan like myself who watched his first wrestling show when he was four years old in 1989. I give Saturday, the best of Saturday night's main event an eight and a half. Patrick? Um, I'm actually surprised you gave such a high score. Really? Like, that high. Yeah. I, I, I knew it was going to be, you know, upper... And I wasn't expecting an eight and a half. Um, yeah, this 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 is a long set. Every I either every disc or two out of the three are north of two and a half hours. All three of them are. Okay, I, I, I wasn't, wasn't sure about like two. There, it's two hours thirty minutes and seventeen seconds. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Very specific. Um, the thing about it is, while there's a lot here, like I said, we've covered 34 matches in about a total of four hours. And ish. The thing about it is, it never really feels long. Like, watching the first disc, or the first two discs, it flew by for me. The third disc took a little longer just because I was tired at the time. Um, so, you know, the pace of everything is great. Sure, is there maybe a little too much Hulk Hogan for our case? Maybe. But this was 1985 when it started. And, you know, Hogan was the biggest thing going. So, of course, there's going to be a lot of Hulk Hogan moments. You know, um, like you said, this is not without certain flaws. Um... Technically, they're cheating by including the Mega Powers breakup and the Hulk-Andre uh, WrestleMania 3 rematch. It's technically cheating because that wasn't on Saturday Night's Main Event. That was on a different show. But the main event was a spinoff of this. So, okay, that gets a pen. And the main event is never going to get the DVD release. Exactly. Or it'll get a one-disc release. But a lot of the matches here are very hidden gems. Like I said, I, I was super shocked at how good Perfect and Cheeto was. 
Um, Piper and Orndorff had a great brawling match. Big Boss Man and Hogan had a hell of a cage match. Orndorff and Hogan had a hell of a cage match. So a lot of these are matches that you wouldn't 100% really know about unless you were a complete follower of Saturday Night's Main Events. Um, so, so with that all being said, the reason I'm surprised you gave such a high score is because I'm giving a high score, too. So, I'm actually... The rule still stands. I'm giving this one an eight. Uh, I've debated for the longest time between eight and eight and a half and decided that it deserves the benefit of the higher score because of just the sheer amount of in-ring content on this DVD. And probably also helps that a ma- it probably also helps for you that a majority of the matches you never saw. Yeah, and that's something that we talked about at the beginning of the set, too. There are 34 matches on this set. At this particular time, with as many DVDs as I've seen, if there are 10 to 15 matches out of a 30-match set that I haven't seen, I consider that a good total. For this 34-match set, it was 27 to 7 matches I haven't seen to matches I have. So not only, was it high on, not, not only was it high on nostalgia for me, it was high on first-time viewing for me as well when it terms, comes to terms of actually keeping track of it the way I keep track of my DVDs. So, yet again, the rule lives on. Well, not rule, but the curse lives on. Oh, no, it's definitely us. a rule with this show as long as we've been doing it. Yeah, pretty much figure we're now 16 ratings in and we still have never been within a point. And I think that we can extend that to include wrestling on rats at a match as well. Uh, no. Hmm. No, there was one pay-per-view that, that I believe I was a point and a half higher than you on. Oh, okay. On wrestling on rats nope. at a match. But as far as wrestling unwrapped goes, it's never been more than a point and more times than not, it's half a point. Yeah, as so, is the case today. Of course. So be that as it may, that was the ever very lasting long. Wow, did I just screw that up? The very long, uh, best of Saturday night's main event, and we're kind of out of time, so we got to get the hell off air. <laughs> so so before, before we, we do that. Beat you to it. Beat you to it. Tonight's episode of Wrestling Unwrapped was brought to you by the Madhouse Toy Chest. If you are a fan of professional wrestling in any of its shape, forms, or fashions, be it the major leagues of the WWE, the slightly less major leagues of TNA, Ring of Honor, to the independent scene where you'll find companies like PWG and CZW, you can pick up DVDs, action figures, magazines, books, T-shirts, he may still have a blanket or two. I've seen the I've seen the stock. It's quite impressive. Honestly, I'm a little jealous. By visiting stores.ebay.com backslash Madhouse Toy Chest. As a matter of fact, you can go in there and pick up the DVD for the show we just covered over the course of the last four and a half hours and see for yourself just how freaking awesome it really is. That is stores.ebay.com backslash Madhouse Toy Chest for Jason Kunkel and the Madhouse Toy Chest. Now, we got a few things we got to get out of the way first. As always, if you want to go back and listen 
to this episode, you can do that quite a few different ways, actually. Uh, the number SoundCloud. one and number hmm? SoundCloud. I was getting to that. Uh, as always, you can get first to tomorrow. Anyway, uh, as always, you can do Streaker on Demand, or you can now find us on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com backslash W2M Network. We are the number one podcast episode at all. Our last Saturday night's main event is the very first one ever featured on W2M's network on SoundCloud, and we'll be the first podcast with two episodes. And I'm pretty sure from here on out, aside from maybe W2M, we'll be the first one with three, first one with four, and first one with five, and so on and so forth. Not true, because W2M runs twice a week, so they'll catch up to us in like three weeks. I legitimately just said, with the exception of W2M. Well, I, I, I kind of partially listen to you sometimes. Obviously. Anyway. So, yeah, soundcloud.com slash W2N network is where you can also find us from here on out. Now, we got a few things we got to plug because next Sunday we won't be in our normal start time. And if that rumor of Jerry Ball or the rumor that Jerry Baller's talking about, we may be in trouble because of things like next week when it is the I believe eighth annual WWE Money in the Bank pay per view. So no wrestling on rap, but instead wrestling on rap. You can join You can join myself, my co host Patrick Ketzel, our producer Sean Garmer, and his wrestling to the max co host. Gary Vaughn and Paul Leeser, I drew a Blake on Gary's last name there for a split second. For Wrestling Unwrapped to the Max, episode 20-something or other, as we cover Money in the Bank 2016. Will there be anything else covered, Sean? Oh, yeah, we're going to be doing uh, New Japan's Dominion show as well. Ah, yes, Dominion 614? 619, but yes. Uh, Same day as summer as Money in the Bank? Well, I guess it would be early that morning, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be that morning, so... Yeah, Father's Day also, so... Well, that affects you and Gary, not so much the rest of us. Hey, let's, uh... Let's just say there's going to be a lot going on that day, so... And maybe a lot more going on as far as uh, future collaborations, if uh, the king so is help correct. Me, so help me, George, if that actually happens, it is going to be terrible for this company. Yeah, we'll they have can, to get into that. They can, um, they can barely find the content that they need to fill one pay-per-view a month. Now they're going to try to do two. Well, if you're going to have split rosters, it's just basically another three hours of show, but uh, we can talk about that on Sunday. Okay. We will do that next Sunday on Wrestling Unwrapped to the Max. Uh, Patrick, i got a question for you. All right. Go ahead. If people enjoy listening to us on Spreaker, on SoundCloud, on Last Word on Sports, or wherever else it is that they listen, iTunes, where can they find places. us on Facebook? What were you going to say, Sean? Oh, I, I was just saying, well. I was listing out a zillion other places, Yokomist. Oh, okay. Where um, can they find us on Facebook? 
they can find us on Facebook.com slash Wrestling Unwrapped. Or you can find Where? us on Twitter at WU Off The Shelf. Or you can also find us each on Twitter. Harry is at H-E-B The Eagle, and I'm at Pat Ketza because, you know, I'm a sane one that actually uses his own name. I will have you know that H-E-B are actually my initials. Still not and your name. I'm pretty sure if I wanted to be at Harry Broadhurst, I could be, but I, that, that's kind of long. The same reason we can't be at Wrestling Unwrapped. Yeah, kind of. Anyway. Uh, and then in two weeks, I won't be here. Harry will be here covering To Be Determined. Yes, I will have a guest co-host. If everything goes well, according to his work schedule, my guest co-host will be none other than Paul Weezer. Very good. And assuming that that happens, we will probably be taking a trip into both of our favorite independent promotion. I refer you, of course, to Chikara. So that'll be something to look forward to while I will be at Shima. Because yes, be at- apparently Dave Prezak wants every one of his fans dead and wants to do five shows in three days. Yeah, but look at the bright side. Be a lot of kick-ass wrestling in those three days, even if you know Very you're just dying. Yeah. Hopefully we'll be back on 4th of July weekend with all of us, but I don't know that I'll be alive. We'll see. Anywho, that I do believe it was here. I do believe it'll be July 3rd if it happens. I believe you're right. And we haven't quite covered what we're going to cover then, so to be determined. Uh, I know what we're covering July 17th. Of course. (laughs) We won't spoil that yet. Anyway, we're out of time. We're really out of time, so we got to go. So for our producer, Sean Garmer, He's Harry Broadhurst. I'm Patrick Ketta. You've been listening to Wrestling Unwrapped as we finish up covering the best of Saturday night's main event here on the W2M Network in collaboration with 411mania.com, lastwordonsports.com as well. Be sure to check us out on soundcloud.com. Slash W2M Network. Yes. I'll see you eventually. He'll see you in two weeks.